Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Austerit has recently released a guideline for continual improvement processes for asset management. And today we'll provide you an overview. So let's get started. My name is Eliz and I'm the moderator today here to provide any technical support if you need. You can contact me by using the chat box in your sidebar if you're experiencing any issues. This webinar is proudly brought to you by Austerit. Austerit is a peak organisation of Australasian road transport and traffic agencies. We support our member organisations, those listed on this slide, to deliver an improved road transport network. At Austerit, we use a program management approach where each program focuses on an operational area of the road system. This Austerit project falls under the assets program. In terms of the duration of this webinar, we have two presenters today who will present for approximately 35 minutes altogether. After that, we have a Q&A for 15 minutes. During this time, we'll answer any of your questions. We are recording today's session and we'll email you once we've uploaded it on our website. We upload all of our webinar recordings on our website, which is shown on this slide, and we encourage you to view our previous sessions. The presentation slides to this webinar are also available to download in the handout section. We encourage you to get involved in this webinar, so please don't be afraid to share any questions or comments that you have. Simply type your questions into the questions box at any stage of the webinar and we'll answer them at the end during the Q&A. Please let us know the slide number your question relates to as it helps us answer your questions as best as we can. The guideline which we'll be discussing aims to provide asset management practitioners with an understanding of the factors that contribute to enabling and sustaining continual improvement. There is also a separate report outlining background research and you could download the guideline and the report from our website or through the handout section in your sidebar. So before I hand it over to our presenters, I'd like to introduce them to you. So both presenters are from a company Cardno up in Queensland. First, we have Aniran Hughes, who is a senior principal and discipline leader asset management. Aniran has been a leader in the development and promotion of asset management for nearly 30 years and has authored state government and organizational frameworks in asset management. Hi, Aniran, thank you so much for joining us to present. Thank you. Our second presenter is Stephen Walker, who is the business unit manager leading Cardinal's asset management practice in the Asia Pacific region. He holds degrees in engineering and economics and has worked across asset classes from roads to water and facilities. Hi Stephen, how are you today? Uh, very good, thanks Liz. That's good to hear. So on this slide we have the agenda and it's now time to pass the presenter controller over to Stephen and he'll let you know the content for today. Thanks very much Eliz. I'll just uh, take over the screen control here and look as, as we've got up here uh, the agenda that we're going to take through uh, you today and really welcome everyone's attendance and look forward to uh, the question and answer uh, when we're done uh, through the presentation. I'm going to start off and take you through the project background just so that you're aware of uh, how the need arose for this guideline, uh, what we were responding to, and then how we engaged with industry and undertook research to find out how best to address this question around continual improvement. I'm then going to hand over to Aniran, um, who was the lead author of the framework, and he'll take you through the ins and outs of the framework uh, that is included within the guideline. And then as we've uh, alluded to, uh, there'll be a question and answer 
session at the end. So we very much welcome uh, your input um, and questions there. And as Elise noted, if you're able to note down a slide number, that's uh, beneficial um, for us in responding. So to take you through the background uh, to this project, our project team, uh, myself as project manager and Niren as lead author, but also acknowledge um, that um, here at Cardano we had um, multiple people contributing to it. Also like to acknowledge the work of our project manager, John McDonald from the New Zealand Transit Agency. Um, John was a very, uh, a very challenging mentor and very constructive with his input. And then the re review team from Austroads as well, um, guiding the delivery of the uh, outputs. And here we have the project team um, with, who were in the Austroads working group from, the, uh, from across Australia and New Zealand. To start off with, we need to ask ourselves why continual improvement? And we start off with this very sobering statistic from some earlier, some research from earlier in the year from McKinsey and Company. And that's that 74% of transformation programs fail to deliver on, the pro on their promise. So when we go for the big bang, when we look to uh, restructure, to reform, um, to do things in a big rush, we just fail um, to achieve what we set out to achieve. Also from that same uh, research, looking at where value is achieved, the statistic here is that in those big risky items on a dollar basis, we achieve only 5% of the total value of the program. But much more of the value achieved is through small initiatives and medium-sized initiatives. So even though we might um, think that there's a huge benefit in a restructure or a reform or a transformation, the research tells us that continual, sustained, repeated um, improvements over time is what delivers value. Some further supporting research, the academic study, uh, which is documented in the book Good to Great by Jim Collins, that looked at 28 organisations um, over a period of 25 years, and it really distilled factors for success and one of the factors for success was continual improvement. And in that study, it talks about all these organisations, none of them having a distinguishable turning point. There was no disruptive technology. There was no one factor, no one uh, leader, no one thing that stood out, which they could pinpoint to say that this organisation succeeded over a very long period. Instead, it was the continual improvement, what they call the flywheel. So just building on success after success. So that's our starting point to say that continual improvement has enormous potential to unlock value uh, within organisations, within your organisations. This study arose from a need identified by Austroads, so arising from a need um, identified by industry. So this need identified by industry um, has been promoted uh, by Austroads. And Austroads um, is a peak organisation here in Australia and New Zealand. 
and it acts for the benefit of its members, but also um, over 500 road managers across Australia and New Zealand. And the assets under management uh, have enormous value, $250 billion in replacement cost. So the scale of the opportunity that improvement might realise is significant. But also with the organisations, uh, there's great diversity in the context that they operate in, uh, their size, the organisational uh, capacity, the resources, um, the, uh, you know, the roads per square kilometre. Um, so all of these things were, were factors that uh, we had to account for when approaching this task. Also when approaching the task, the, the brief was very much to frame continual improvement in the context of ISO 55001. So that's the international standard which defines a management system for uh, the management of assets. And we've got highlighted down the bottom here uh, in the red box, performance evaluation and improvement. So continual improvement very much falls under there. It's a very important part of the management system because continual improvement requires that we define performance and we measure ourselves against performance and we seek to improve against that uh, performance objectives. So in developing the guideline, uh, we undertook a structured process. First of all, we undertook literature review to understand what was out there. We also undertook a lot of engagement with industry. And as we'll, re we'll return to repeatedly um, over the, the rest of this webinar, that engagement with industry has very much shaped the guideline and has very much shaped uh, what you'll hear uh, today. We had face-to-face -face meetings uh, with industry uh, road agencies. We also um, undertook online surveys to really elicit views and really to test and validate concepts. Once we'd identified the challenges faced by industries, we, industry, we had to then um, think about what a framework for continual improvement might look like and then go forth and document that within the guideline and also within the accompanying research report. I'll move on to the findings of our research. And these, um, as, of, as of flagged, have very much uh, been reflected in, in the guideline. And the first thing was that well, when we went out researching, we looked at uh, the various approaches and tools out there. The first thing that we found was that there's a lot of knowledge out there about different approaches that are possible for continual improvement. So a lot of people know about total quality management, uh, people know about lean methodologies, uh, people know about statistical techniques, people knew very much about different um, tools and techniques that they might use uh, within their organisational context to, to measure against performance and, and identify that gap. Also out of our research was to place continual improvement in what's been a very long history. So going, um, taking account of things such as plan, do, check, act cycle, um, DMAC cycles, 
uh, total quality management, which we've already flagged. So there's been a lot of uh, work already done, uh, research and literature around these improvement cycles and then going forth to where we are today. So improvement cycles that are embedded in ISO 9001 for management systems and also ISO 55001 for asset management. Our research also highlighted that um, there was a lot of demand for this guideline and that's an interesting contrast to the finding that there was a, a strong knowledge around the tools out there already. The, the counterbalance was that even though people knew um, how they might go about continual improvement, they just weren't doing it. And they just weren't doing it for a variety of factors um, that we'll return to. We've distilled in our research report a number of challenges facing the road sector and with respect to continual improvement. And overwhelmingly, the, num the finding coming out of our engagement, out of face-to-face -face meetings, out of our uh, surveys and other research uh, engagement techniques, was that there was just lacking this environment in which continual improvement might occur. So to have um, an organisation that, that would support continual improvement, that was engaged with it and would allocate the resources needed for continual improvement. So that finding flows into number two and three here on those challenges. So for us, that was very much an aha moment where we could um, see where the guideline needed to go, that we needed to um, focus very much on how the environment and resources and support would be, um, uh, information would be given through the guideline. There was also coming out of the research that um, even though there's a lot of mechanisms for sharing information and uh, this webinar is a fantastic way uh, for, for, for promoting information, that there was still a need to, to communicate better, um, to make sure that resources were available um, to those who needed them. When moving from our research um, and the engagement into the next stage of developing the framework, one of the key things we need, uh, wanted to do was to really firm up um, this idea of where improvement might be realised. So when we're talking with our road managers um, and others with asset management responsibility, so a recurring question was, well, what might I improve? Am I looking to improve um, how I do my job? Am I looking to improve my asset management system or framework? Am I looking to improve the assets themselves? Am I looking to improve the customer, uh, customer experience? And very much the answer to that is all of them. And so we're looking for improvement across all of the dimensions. So we're looking for uh, business process improvement. We're looking for improvement in the system itself. We're looking for improvement at an asset level and we're looking for customer improvement. And that very much aligns with um, the intent and framework set out in ISO 55001 that improvement can be found 
um, and can occur across all of those dimensions. And ultimately, it means that we can uh, deliver better service at a better value for money for our customers. So we wanted to put this up here as a, as a frame uh, for what we're going to talk about um, within the guidelines. So that uh, concludes what I wanted to do as project manager to introduce where we've been. Um, so we just wanted to uh, have a reminder for you to submit any questions that you might have. And if you can, please indicate a slide number uh, related to your question. So I'm now going to hand over to Anaran and he's going to share with you uh, the framework itself. Okay, thanks very much. Um, yes, yeah, so um, the first this slide here um, just gives an outline of the framework that's included in the guideline. And the framework involves uh, the following elements. Creating a continual improvement environment. Um, and that's really the foundation. Uh, the environment really provides the support and the capacity to best enable improvements to occur. Um, and certainly that's um, definitely the foundation for all the continual improvement initiatives or successful ones at least. Identifying improvement opportunities, then deciding which ones we're going to pursue through an evaluation and prioritization process, then implementing the continual improvement, followed by monitoring the results of the initiative, and most importantly, sustaining that improvement initiatives. So providing the continual improvement environment, what factors are necessary to achieve this environment? Probably top of the list is leadership. And that's leadership, not just from the top, but through all levels of the organization. And that's achieved by communicating the need and commitment to improvement. And also then demonstrating that commitment by walking the talk and people staff can see through um, leaders if um, if they seem to be just having a superficial commitment to it but certainly real leaders um, will demonstrate a commitment to asset management to customer service and to improving the way things are being done developing a culture where the organization recognizing the significant knowledge skills expertise and the different perspectives to solutions and improvement that, that exist at all levels of the organization. Um, everybody can contribute to continual improvement, but ongoing engagement and encouragement of staff is required to achieve this. Ideas are respected and encouraged and never denigrated, whatever the source or the idea. And then having a culture of managed experimentation where seeing failure as being a learning opportunity rather than an occasion for punishment if something goes wrong. You get an environment then where management staff see audits and reviews as a learning opportunity and not as a threat to what they're doing. People collaborate. Collaboration exists across all groups within the organization. And leadership, the managers provide some incentives to staff that maybe recognize good ideas or, um, you know, and that can be, recognition can come through a maybe a handwritten letter or um, 
a prize or you know sending them off to a, a conference or, or such like but certainly recognizing people and the efforts they're trying to do having a governance governance framework in place where all members of the organization from the board and the ceo down to the most junior staff member understand that they have a responsibility to contribute to con to the continual improvement process everyone is involved continual improvement accountabilities that is accountable being where the buck stops and responsibilities could be clearly documented in position descriptions and addressed during recruitment promotion and performance review having a documented plan with tangible objectives for continual improvement and this plan needs to be succinct user-friendly plain english devoid of management jargon and weasel words the, the reader must clearly understand that asset management improvement is really a common sense approach to providing better value to the community and the guide, our guideline provides an outline of our continual improvement plan. Then we have knowledge management and systems and processes. Knowledge increases the awareness of everyone to contemporary and, emergency, and emerging trends, ideas, techniques, tools and technology, which then facilitates a wider range of improvement opportunities. Knowledge management will have a number of components, including information management information in your own organization's performance and its assets performance and certainly uh, many organizations still are very data rich but information poor but obviously having the systems in place where you can analyze how you're performing obviously is a step in the, the right direction developing organizational skills attitudes and mindset to acquire knowledge management and staff should have an openness to new ideas and be proactive in sharing knowledge and that's really important having process in place to learn from situations and using this learning to continually improve sharing knowledge and encouraging ideas investing in effective training training is an investment it's not just a cost empowering employees to learn by subscribing to relevant knowledge sources mentoring and coaching staff and sustaining organizational memory through documenting learnings and capturing tacit knowledge, thus allowing the present to learn from the past to minimize repeating the mistakes of the past and hopefully repeating the successes of the past. Having support and resources. You need the resources with relevant capabilities are allocated to implement and sustain continual improvement initiatives. The way we've um, worded the guideline is that there's sort of gradual incremental improvements, which are many of which can be done as business as usual. Um, but there might be larger initiatives then where you might need more resources. And through providing the right environment, management and staff will understand that continual improvement is the way we do business. And eventually it will be embedded in the organizational culture. Continual. Uh, Improvement opportunities can be identified through a number of ways. They'll emerge, emerge from a range of sources as shown on the slide. Um, they can be top-down opportunities, for instance, um, audits, um, metric benchmarking, stakeholder surveys, 
um, asset management gap analyses and reviews and such like. Or conversely, there can be bottom-up improvement opportunities, uh, maybe at the process, asset, or local level, which may be based on small incremental steps that can be readily implemented within existing resource constraints. And these, for example, might be um, workshops, um, um, sort of brainstorming sessions, maybe a value management study, um, and or just cross-team meetings and um, just while you're doing the job, toolbox talks and such like. The opportunities are there, they're probably already there. Sometimes we don't necessarily um, recognize them. And of course, there's lots of documents around where which we get a lot of ideas. For instance, the IIIM is an excellent publication produced and other publications produced by uh, IPWA. Um, there are other organizations um, that have excellent documents on asset management, including the Institute of Asset Management, the Asset Management Council. And of course, we've got to recognize the um, significant body of work that Austroads have put out over the years and, and certainly a valuable source of information. Any improvement opportunities need to be captured. It's no good talking about it around the table and then forgetting about it. So we have to develop a, an improvement register. Nothing too complicated. Uh, for smaller organizations, it might be just a simple spreadsheet or a list. For larger organizations, maybe a database with a drop-down menu to facilitate consistency in searching, which is accessible corporately through the internet, would be more appropriate. Of course, and the guideline um, outlines a way of what you need to put in the register, but most of all, you need to minimize the amount of information required. Otherwise, staff will just be discouraged of putting anything in. Whatever's put in, put in should have sufficient information to allow some evaluation and prioritization. Obviously, if it's a fairly simple initiative, it doesn't have to be too much. And obviously, proposers should be kept informed of their progress on, a, on the idea and, um, and then some feedback on how their idea is going. Um, an improvement plan could be prepared and included in the, into an asset management plan. So how do we evaluate um, and prioritize these. And, and obviously there might be a lot of ideas, some very small, some very large. So um, I'll go through, on the left here, the prioritization criteria, and there's quite a way, number of ways of doing it. I think it's just having a simple process that's able to sort the wheat from the chaff and give you some idea. It's a filtering process, essentially. And these might be deciding how to, to what level does the, does the idea align with the organizational or asset management objectives, or a risk score if the improvement proposal is not implemented, the level of urgency and importance, maybe the, um, as in D there, the impact on the end customer or return on investment, or maybe just the level of compliance with legislation, organizational policy and strategy. Of course then, There'd be a lot of proposals that are fairly simple to implement. And of course, those can probably just be done straight away as business as usual. Other ones, which might be higher risk or higher cost to the organization, um, will need further evaluation. So, you know, and the guidelines shows, give some examples of this. Maybe 
uh, whoever's um, the asset manager or the CEO, whoever's um, evaluating these might seek further clarification or information from the proposer. It might be in some instances worthwhile undertaking small scale testing. There might be a need also to assess the impact on other processes, either upstream or downstream. So one initiative might solve a problem in one area, but just transfer it into another. And obviously we don't want to do that. It might be good also to um, uh, get the idea of senior management or the council or the board, to, especially for the uh, larger initiatives, to, to, them, to show how much support they have. And um, certainly views from executive manager are always welcome because you're going to need their support. And Nora, just to link this back uh, to the research findings, even though in the guideline and here on the slide, there's a lot of um, material around ways that we might evaluate and prioritise initiatives. Uh, something that um, you spoke about was, where possible, just get on with it. So I think that's a key message to take away. And if for those people who have you know, a, a responsibility or where they can empower others just to make decisions within their levels of authority, that's something that can um, deliver significant benefit because it means that people can just get on with continual improvement rather than second guessing uh, whether it's the right thing to do or not. And uh, that's right, there, Stephen. Um, what we try to do in the guideline is to say that continual improvement is nothing, and most instances is not complex. The opportunities are there to gradually improve all the time. It probably needs a bit more of a structured approach, but certainly not a lot of bureaucracy. And certainly, even if you do have a process where your idea get, um, doesn't get up in the first year, it still remains on the register, so it can be evaluated in future years. So sometimes we might be ahead of the time, and in three or four years' time, that bright idea might save heaps of um, money for the organization. So now we go to implementing the, um, the initiative. Implementation, you know, if the organization's got our management procedures and the larger ones we will, they'll have to follow it. It'll be critical to ensure commitment and a collaborative environment for implementation success. Uh, this may require development and implementation of communication plan and preferably face-to-face -face communication with key, key, key internal and where appropriate external stakeholders. This is probably relevant to the larger organizations with number of branches and whatever, and, and often the larger initiatives can't be just done as one team, it needs the support of other teams. So you've got to get everybody on side as one team um, working collaboratively. But obviously, as Stephen just said, um, if it's a small initiative, it can be done by the team, just get on with it. So monitoring um, the initiative, we've, um, the, the results should be monitored against any key success factors you've developed. A high level staff member should be given the responsibility of monitoring the results of the initiative. And at the end of the uh, um, initiative, we should do a completion review to see how we're going documenting the lessons learned, and it'll be useful for ensuring that mistakes are not repeated and that successful features of implementation can be replicated. But also, it's not the end then when we finish implementing this, is trying to sustain it. And what we've got there on the, is a continual improvement uh, sustainability graph, uh, which we've sort of 
put together based on years of observation of a lot of asset management improvement initiatives. So a lot of organizations start off with a lot of enthusiasm, there's a support for it in the organization, there's champion, there's a lot of motivation, and if that's sustained, it'll follow the orange line, as we've shown. But we've seen it so often that it progresses, instead of progressing along the, the orange line, something happens. There's loss of support, the champion leaves, motivation declines, the software that was promised to um, sort everything out um, doesn't quite work as well as expected. So it goes into a bit of decline, then something happens again, maybe another champion arrives, motivation returns, or there's been a big asset failure, and then everybody decides we've got to progress again. So hopefully the second time round it improves, but it can go along a tidal cycle. But it's all is not, not lost, um, some of that improvement is still retained. But it is, it is important that we continue with um, to sustain these initiatives and make sure that they start. So, so also we need to um, um, document a continuing improvement plan. Like, you know, for smaller organizations, this may be one or two pages one larger organization which would have a much more comprehensive document. However, the size of the document need to be kept as minimum as possible. This slide, this items that should be considered for inclusion in the continuing improvement plan, which, which is commitment from senior management, what is continuing improvement, why we have it. Um, the third slide there, it should be how we generate the environment to generate um, continual improvement. Um, how do we evaluate and prioritize initiatives? How do we implement and monitor who's accountable? And then hopefully it'll be a senior person in the organization. Well, it's essential, essential. But, and who's responsible? And really everyone in the organization is responsible because road authorities, just about everybody's involved in asset management. So in conclusion, there are opportunities everywhere for continual improvement. And a lot of these are small incremental improvements can be done as business as usual. And there's a range of tools, techniques, but the most important factor is to have the right environment and the organizational culture to grow on that improvement and to sustain it. All organizations have the potential to improve. Everyone can contribute, use existing frameworks that exist um, but are there already these management frameworks when it's just through the operational planning process or whatever, or having an asset management framework? Resources and budgets should not be a constraint because a lot of improvement initiatives can be done as business as usual. And most of all, keep it simple. Don't be overly ambitious, but just it's small incremental steps that continue on and on, year in, year out, and are sustained will lead to success. So we hope that the guideline encourages road authorities to continually improve and sustain asset management practices. And we hope that you're able to develop continual improvement processes that are appropriate and fit for purpose for your organizations. Thank you very much. Thanks, Anaren. We'll hand back to Liz now. We're looking forward to um, going through some question and answers.
Excellent. So please send through your questions. We've received some questions already, which is great. And thank you for everyone who sent those through. So we'll, we'll go through the questions now. So the first question we received is from Greg. So he's asked, can you please provide the source of the 40, the 50, 45, five split between returns from small, medium and big initiatives? So Look, this is on slide 14. Yes, so uh, Greg, perhaps if we, um, you provide your email address, we can provide that um, study to you, but it was released at the start of this year. It was undertaken by McKinsey, and it was a study of um, a, a quite a large number of organisations who have gone through an improvement and transformation journey. Great, thank you. The next question is, what kind of role does this guideline play? Will it replace the ISO 55000 or the International Infrastructure Management Manual? Uh, no, I think it's complementary. I think certainly the IIMM is pretty consistent with ISO 55000. Um, and, and this guideline is consistent with anything that's in there. I think Probably what the way we've seen the industry go in the last few years is certainly when I started asset management many years ago, we, we tended to think of it as a technical discipline, I mean, which it, um, it is in some regards, but it's also it's a multidisciplinary activity, which requires everybody on board, which requires to get teams working together, whether it's finance, IT, uh, engineering. And, and certainly we've probably now seen the emphasis, I mean, you'll see it in ISO 55000 on leadership and culture, collaboration and things like that. And it's really, in, in fact, asset management's a people uh, discipline, just about. Thank you. Thanks, Anirin, for clarifying that one. And the next question is, the seed funding element of innovation ecosystem, is that something that you'd be looking forward to? I think that so a seed funding of innovation um, for that to occur means that there would need to be a conducive environment. So I think that that sort of approach um, where you put funding forward means that there's an environment, there's a commitment of resources, but also a recognition of failure. I mean, that's absolutely aligned with what uh, we talk about in the guideline where if, if you get the environment right, these things can happen. Yeah, and, and certainly it's worthwhile. This is the, the reason why we need to capture ideas and, and maybe develop them. And then there might be seed funding somewhere along the track. So there might be some ideas which you might think are high risk. Well, at least then you've got the register to refer to. And then you can then, when an opportunity arises, then you're there, shovel ready to put in your submission. Thanks for answering. Next question is from Alex. They have asked, in your experience, how do you measure asset management system performance and what are the KPIs associated with it? So the question there is specifically about the system performance. So a system, um, and this is a management system performance. So management system performance, um, there's specific require if we're talking in the ISO 55001 context, there's specific requirements about what you need to measure, but also um, within that context, you define performance yourself as an organisation, um, and then and then measure against that. So um, 
Yeah, it really depends on the context. Yeah, but I, I think at the end of the day, the outcome is probably meeting your service standards yeah. and cost doing that cost effectively and, and certainly meeting your asset management objectives, which um, should be aligned with the objectives of the organization. And certainly that's how you do it. You can, um, it, it's, um, and, and that's where the challenge is going to be. Um, budgets are tight, assets are aging, custom demands are increasing. So um, maintaining and, and achieving customer service standard, uh, service levels are probably, um, you know, a good measurement of how you're going. Excellent, thanks for clarifying. Another question is any specific training program on road industry innovation and improvement program as part of this project? Look, as part of this project, there's no specific uh, training. Um, I know that there are various innovation things out there, but perhaps um, look, the guidelines available use that as a starting point to stimulate some ideas um, and, and direction that it can go in. And I think, as Anaram was talking about early on, um, the leadership and support to create that environment, get that right, and you know, within your organisation, you know, who knows where it goes as far as training or um, how it might be implemented. Yeah, I think we try to keep the guideline relatively broad um, because because there's such, the audience is such a, a diverse, you know, reading from very small local governments to very large um, road authorities. Um, certainly we've observed that there are more um, courses on asset management, ranging from high level strategic asset management right through, but, but certainly, um, you know, organizations, Osroads have got some fantastic um, publications and training, uh, similarly IPWA, um, there's a lot of stuff on the net now. Um, we're in a far better position now than we were like 30 years ago to access information. Um, there's just so much information and I, we're just overloaded with it. I think it's really focusing on what you want to do, researching it and, um, and taking it from there. Thank you. Thanks for answering. A question from Richard, so he's asked, so during the research, did the project team come across any organisations where an improvement program was being carried out? If yes, were there any key learning points from this? Uh, look, certainly during the engagement, um, there were varying levels of improvement um, uh, processes underway already. I think probably some of the interesting engagement we had was when we were near finalising the guideline and um, we at the uh, AMP conference talking to two large organisations um, who had implemented an improvement journey and we they're actually outside the road sector so we hadn't engaged with them but what was striking in talking with them is that um, both of, these are both very large asset earning organisations with billions of dollars of assets. Um, both of them started by dedicating one person to improvement and giving them a spreadsheet um, to track improvement opportunities. And everything then was about um, recording ideas on the spreadsheet, using that to prioritise and having a governance, like a committee um, structure or something to implement. And that was it. So to, to us, that was really interesting that outside of our engagement, 
two large organisations have found that if they create an environment with someone given responsibility, given a tool to record and prioritise, a committee to implement, um, then things happened and both of these were quite um, uh, quite a lot of benefit that they're actually able to quantify in their programs. Mm. Thanks, mm. Excellent. I hope that's answered your, your question, Richard. Another question is collaboration across industries beyond road is vital to be further coordinated through Osroad. So what are your thoughts? Oh, look, we've, we've um, flagged uh, some of the um, peak bodies out there. There's a lot of really good peak body, you know, not-for-profit industry organisations out there um, where we can all learn from. Um, so certainly, you know, Asset Management Council underneath Engineers Australia, um, IPWIA, which is also underneath Engineers Australia, um, are both really good organisations for um, disseminating asset management knowledge. Mm. Okay. Also, uh, IAM out of the UK. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. Question in relation to slide 12, which is were local government authorities invited during the development of this guideline? Uh, absolutely. So, we, we try to engage as wide as possible. Um, so, uh, we, we, we did a stakeholder um, mapping and identification exercise and we try to send an invite um, to every local government in Australia, which is in the number of 500 odd. Um, so yeah, that was certainly our uh, what we tried to do, but it was uh, no small feat to, um, to firstly identify and then um, uh, try and get people along. And I think, I, I don't think I mentioned the number, but it was up around 100 um, face-to-face interactions we had at round tables. So we're absolutely um, indebted and um, to all of the uh, people who came to those engagement sections, sessions and provided their input. And hopefully you can see your ideas are reflected in the guideline. Okay. Thank you, Stephen. Another question is, can you give an example of disruptive technologies? Well, probably a disruptive technology is going to be the um, autonomous vehicles. Mm. Um, that's certainly going to have an impact on road transport, um, and certainly that hasn't been assessed yet, but certainly in the next 20 odd years, um, we're probably maybe out of taking out of controlling cars and they'll be controlling themselves. So that's that's one item that, and certainly, obviously, it's not going to lead to improvement, but it might lead to generating what an organization needs to do. It might not be doing the same thing as far as infrastructure. And this is where we've got to look at, you know, when we do renewals programs in the future, we've got to really look at what is the technology that's going to be around? What is the community going to look like? So that we just don't fall in. Our infrastructure tends to last a long time. So if once we've put it in, we call it, could be have it there for 50 or 100 years. So. Um, I think we have to be careful as what's coming up. Mm, definitely. So yeah, the connected and automated vehicles is very much talked about within the space. Another question is, can you give an example of how performance can be monitored, such as the definition of the performance indicator? Look, that, that's a really good question and it's an important question because um, 
you know, if we're not realising improvement, then why, you know, why are we bothering? Why are we affecting, um, putting resources to it? What the issue is, is that the, the measurement will be specific to the improvement opportunity. So we talk about in the guideline that when you identify that improvement opportunity, always uh, try to think about, well, how might we measure success? So measure that benefits realisation. Um, so it, it is in it is initiative specific, but hopefully when um, when you identify the initiative, you're also able to identify the metric. And a, a really um, uh, important point here is there might, if you can, get baseline data. And if that means waiting six months to get some baseline data, it, the difference is that if you can get some baseline mark data you can measure the improvement whereas if you go forth without baseline data you not might not actually be able to measure the benefit of what you've been up to okay thanks thanks steve uh, so another question is what would be the probable percentage cost to the organization budget for continual improvement to asset management well it could be very little if you you know, focus on maybe small incremental improvements down at the workface. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to emphasize that, you know, you don't necessarily always have to have the big bang budget to actually do things. But obviously it depends on what the initiative is. Um, you know, um, and I'm, you know, you certainly the more money you, you're going to have to spend, the more you're going to have to justify it. Um, and um, so it, it's really, there's no, special number or whatever it it um you know can range from nothing to a lot and uh, and as stephen said with a lot you've got to really look at you know what are we trying to do how can we justify it what are the risks you know it obviously needs a lot more investment in actually planning and justifying it whereas you can move along on small incremental you know improvements uh, by being just flexible and uh, working with the resources that you've got. Thanks, Anirin. Another question is, in the post-completion audit phase, do you recommend to perform the audit internally? Who can perform the audit? Look, there's, um, there's, there's a bit of literature on this. Um, I think the, the, the short answer is variant. Um, independence is useful but it also comes at a cost. So mix up um, independence to the project team where you can. Um, you might also choose to get some external assurance for something that's of a higher value, higher risk, higher complexity, but that has an added cost. So yeah, horses for courses, just to, to balance the, the independence, the value and the cost. Excellent, thanks for answering. Question from Wayne is, a major aspect of implementing an improvement is change in management. To what extent does the guideline describe best practice approaches to change management? Look, it's something we talk about in implementation, um, but uh, we don't go into it in a, in, a, in a great amount of detail other than recognising that it is, it is important. Um, and we acknowledge in the guideline that the change management should be commensurate uh, with the with the you know the, the scale and the um, breadth of the change. 
but also come back to, to where we started that um, let's not lose sight of continual improvement, the greatest value being through those um, small incremental improvements, which, um, which often will be within existing organisational structures, within existing operational budgets and within existing um, levels of authority. Yeah, and I think it's sort of really by responding to maybe people in the workforce sort of putting together ideas and actually following through and getting people involved. That's change management in itself. And change management isn't a, a magic wand. It's something that you have to spend a lot of time on. You can't do change management in a couple of months. It's an ongoing process and it's um, it's really an, obviously starts at the top um, and committed leadership um, and that's really important to it. Uh, but certainly there's a lot of documents. We didn't want to write an encyclopedia on change management. We're probably, you know, there are better people than us who've got better documents on that. Mm. Thanks for answering. I hope that's answered your question, Wayne. A question from David is, are customers getting more demanding for improvement in asset management or top level management or politicians? I think the answer here is that we've all got much more of a voice. I mean, that's what um, social media has given us. So whether um, we're more demanding or not, it's more that we can hear it louder. And we've also got an expectation of greater greater choice. So uh, as a road agency or, or most asset owners, you're just so much, um, you, your customers are just so uh, able to quick respond more quickly, more loudly, and with a lot more complexity than what could happen uh, previously. And I think broad authorities have set the bar, um, and the bar's been pretty high as far as, um, you know, comfort of ride and, and such like. So people are used to a good standard uh, of infrastructure, and they expect that to be continued right into the future. Thanks for answering. So Steve sent through a comment regarding a previous question. So electric cars is an example of disruptive technology. So less road tax and revenue. So do you agree with that as well? Uh, well, I think there's two different things here. On If we talk about less tax and revenue, well, that's on the revenue side. And um, if, if we lose revenue somewhere else, then, you know, we were obliged to find revenue somewhere else to, to cover sustainable costs, not, not to um, get it for its own sake, but to make sure we're financially sustainable. I think the disruption for asset managers is more on this, um, on our supply side, on the cost that we incur. So we see charging stations now um, alongside um, petrol service stations. So we've got to find the land for them. We've got to interact with planning authorities, we've got to think about safety standards uh, for them. So I think for us as um, asset managers, um, that's where our focus lies, is about you know, how do we, there's a demand for it, there's a demand for the service, how we can provide that service integrated with our other infrastructure. And as Anaran was alluding to before, how can we make asset management investment decisions um, that are responsive to that technology, but also to the extent we're able to, to 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 allow future technology improvements or or not lead to sunk costs for future technology. And it provides now, this is with technology, then you can start having um, the charges going into cities and, and such like and, and peak, peak hour charging um, and also on the 
positive side, there's more likely that you'll be able to get more cars on the road at any one time. Um, so hopefully these um, uh, driverless vehicles are better than the human ones. Um, and uh, so there's a lot to think about, but certainly I think road authorities need to think about it because it'll come on top of us pretty quickly. When you look at what was happening 20, 30 years ago, as far as technology and where we've come from, well, the next 20 or 30 years are going to be a hell of a lot quicker than that. Mm, excellent, thank you. And one last question we've received is slide 15. So where does your research indicate where we get the best bang for buck? So focusing on small, medium or big risk initiatives? The, so in that on that slide 15, which I was just uh, just skipping to, um, that's not our research, but it is um, that article referred to previously from McKinsey, and that was um, quite um, clear that the benefit came from those small and medium-sized initiatives. For our research, uh, we didn't have the benefit of tracking. Um, improvement opportunities um, through or, or um, the, the stakeholders we engaged with weren't able to, to quantify it for us. And I mean, that's a lesson in, in itself. Um, and the lesson is that when we, when we go down this continual improvement path deliberately with the environment created, the resources um, allocated to it, that we expect a return on that investment. So let's make sure that when we're implementing, we collect enough data, we set ourselves KPIs and ways so that we can me measure the benefit and report up the line and say, this is what we've achieved. Excellent. So yeah, that is all the questions that we've received. Uh, thank you for everyone that's sent through all their questions. They're really great discussions that we had today. So before we sign off, I'd like to let everyone know of the upcoming webinars that we have lined up. So as you can see on this slide, we have a webinar on connected and automated vehicles trials where we have five presenters discussing about major trials happening in Australia and that will be on next week. We then have another session on network performance indicators, which is on 12th of July, and then another one on the use of marginal and non-standard materials the following week. So please go on the website shown to register for these events. We also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast to view our webinar recordings. So simply search for Osroads on your podcast app or you could use our RSS feed to subscribe. And the last exciting news is that Osroads has partnered with RMS New South Wales to host the World Road Congress in Sydney in 2023. This event is an opportunity to showcase some of our groundbreaking innovation and play an active role in shaping the future of our global community. So please visit the website for more information and submit any questions or suggestions for the Congress. Again, we'd like to thank the audience for participating. We hope you gained some insights and interesting facts today. So feel free to get in touch if you have any further questions for us. We will close up now and we appreciate your feedback. So please fill out a survey after the webinar. And lastly, of course, thank you, Steve and Aniron for being our presenters today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks everyone for your uh, participation. Thank you. Goodbye for now.